Are you ready? Ready. Last off. This is the PowerShell Podcast. PowerShell Podcast. Primarily promoting the preeminently powerful people in PowerShell. Hey, is that kind of like Peter Piper picked a peck of pickle peppers with PowerShell? <laughs> no. And now, here's your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the PowerShell Podcast. I'm Jordan with uh, co-host Andrew Plaw. Hi. Today, today, we have a special guest, Gilbert Sanchez, who's here to tell us all about uh, Stucco, which I didn't even read up on, so I could, uh, I could, I could learn along with our audience. Yeah, thanks guys for uh, having me. I'm, uh, I'm I feel pretty honored just uh, being kind of uh, joining some of the greats that you guys have have already had. So uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked any of them decided to talk to me. <laughs> Same, but uh, it's it's funny that we have you here because I recall during a lot of our interviews at Summit, we were pointing people to your talk that was going to be about stucco, and we were super stoked for it. But um, unfortunately. Something happened. You got sick. What happened there? Yeah. So unfortunately, I caught a bug uh, that week. I was uh, I was reaching out to Warren, um, who's one of the 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 guys who kind of runs the the show, and I was telling him I'm hoping that I'll be better by tomorrow, but like I just want to let you know I might not make it. And unfortunately, my my voice was shot, and I could not keep you know a coherent thought. So I think we made the call to to probably you know not do it. It's Good weird. Choice. People seem people seem so uh, nervous about sickness recently. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, what's making people sick? Something. Um, but I, d- you know, I definitely took a COVID test. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, but we're super proud. We can be part of your redemption arc for this stucco talk. <laughs> we get to have you on our podcast to t- teach our audience about stucco a little bit. Which is, well, what is stucco? Yeah. So um, stucco is a plaster template. Um, that is highly opinionated and um, this was a module that was written by or rather a template written by brandon olin and i think it was back in summit of 19 i don't remember if i saw a talk that he mentioned it or if or if i just i know i went to some of his talks um but yeah i came across it when i was trying to do some personal projects and uh i love the idea of leveraging templates uh I, I do i template everything for my personal life so uh this just kind of fit you know my my lifestyle so you mentioned plaster it's a plaster template what is what is plaster yeah so plaster is a way to create consistent modules based off templates plaster can do things like prompt folks uh for information so maybe the name of the module um in my talk, what I was gonna talk about was the fact that you can actually have it do things like prompt you for specific business information. So um, for example, what we wanted to do was we wanted to associate a module to each specific team. And so rather than using kind of an off the shelf thing, I was able to kind of quickly, pretty trivially add that uh, as a as a prompt. Uh, but yeah, so kind of uh, back to your main question is uh, Plaster is a, a templating tool that was Originally, I believe owned by Microsoft, but now is owned by the uh, PowerShell org group. Yeah, so it kind of like allows you to have like some kind of files. You answer some questions. Maybe it replaces some text in the files. It kind of chooses what it gives you, and boom, you have a working set of a module or whatever it is you're kind of creating. 
Yeah, it essentially takes a set of files and puts them on on disk. It's almost like a copy and paste, except you can do things like prompt and uh, determine paths and stuff like that. So, yeah, I love Blaster. So it sounds like it almost it removes having to duplicate steps for different modules or even commands within the modules, as well as it makes everything uniform. So if you are building something in enterprise, everyone's getting the same same look, I guess, for everything you create? Yeah, so if you imagine, so I mentioned uh, that I, I like process, and part of that is I like consistency, um, because if it's one less thing I have to think about, there's one less chance I'll make a mistake. And so it's a way to ask the appropriate questions and then let the files kind of appear, right? Um, you don't have to, you don't have to kind of you don't have to manually create a bunch of stuff that's boilerplate, right? Yeah. I've personally really gotten a lot of value out of this with putting uh, like some plaster um, stuff in the module that I create. So if you want to develop a new function, for example, it can be consistent. And um, it's really nice when you're trying to teach someone PowerShell or like give it to more people, uh, distribute it, and to ensure that they kind of follow the same template and same structure without having to necessarily teach everyone what that is. Yeah, you just kind of have your standard. Yeah, definitely. And you can imagine kind of in a business, there's there's usually somebody kind of saying like, hey, you know, this is kind of a best practice. Like we should all try to ad adhere to a consistent naming scheme or a consistent place to keep our, our files or a specific folder structure. Um, and you can imagine that playing really well into like CI tools and stuff like that. So where you said you're building like separate modules for different departments within your company, having that kind of uniformity is probably a pretty big win. It's it's even going to shorten like the learning curve for new people coming in to do something. If everything's the same across the board. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually, a time saver. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, that's actually kind of the thing that I think I get the most ex excited about is people come by and they'll say, here's a script, you know, I'm, I'm trying to debug it. And the first thing, that comes to mind is like, do you have tests? Uh, and this was a, a talking point that I had is um, Stucco specifically includes a bunch of really awesome tests. Uh, and because you just because you get the get those by default, by creating a module, you automatically have like basic tests like, hey, does this module actually like load? Um, uh, is there appropriate help? Um, so that kind of stuff. And so what's cool is I'll say, hey, you have this, you know, long script with multiple functions. If you move it to this uh, template where we, you know, compile a module, you can essentially copy and paste those, each of those functions into a file, write tests for each of those files. And then because we hook it into our CI tool, it, you know, it now, it now is way easier to work on. Um, in fact, kind of that sort of is what drew me to Stucco originally is like, I needed a, a good baseline to start working on like a personal project. So I watched a training on classes. And so I wanted to practice that. Like, how can I use classes in my, in my work life if I don't know how to do it normally? So I figured I could write myself um, a small game module and leverage classes. And so what was nice is I was able to, deploy a module using stucco. And then one of the prompts is like, do you want to use classes? And so the structure was kind of pretty easy to like intuit once you kind of took a look at it. 
Um, but then that kind of got me started and I didn't have to go and think about like, what is the right way to lay this out? Should I use a specific folder structure? Um, one thing to also know is like classes can be a little finicky when you're working with them, where if they get loaded, um, the only way to load up newer versions of it is to like restart PowerShell that there might be some nuance to that, that I'm not aware of, but essentially that's where I was at was like, I need to test this. I have to kill my session, reload the module, and the way that uh, Plaster, or rather, sorry, the way that Stucco uses Saki, which we haven't talked about yet, it essentially does all of that behind the scenes. Um, and so that made the learning curve a lot shorter. It's really cool because, you know, we mentioned uh, Brandon Nolan, Dev Black Ops earlier. He's really high level at this stuff we're talking about. Whenever I discovered Stucco, it had a lot of stuff that I wasn't necessarily doing yet. But by using his template as kind of like a starting point, I got insight into how a top level module author authors their modules uh, to the highest level where there's, like you're saying, testing, all kinds of other stuff that we haven't kind of mentioned related to Saki and all useful stuff for any pipe, well, several pipelines. And it really helped elevate. It's like a cheat code sort of. Yeah, I was able to essentially take the output of the Stucco template and then check that into GitHub, and there were already GitHub configurations. And so, like, from start to finish, it was, like, from start to finish, as and when I say finish, I mean actually publishing to the PowerShell gallery was pretty short. Um, so that was, um, that was super handy because I think if I were to have to go figure all of that stuff out, it would have taken me a lot more time. And I think... I would have probably just ended up with a module on my on my computer, and then that would have been the end of it. Yeah. So if you had a like a public facing repo that most people are working on, there's it's it's going to have like a style guide. It's something where you could just have the style guide is what Stucco has, so they just know they run it through Stucco, and it, and it helps build within that. Or is that uh, kind of a different area? In the README, I kind of say how you how you would use. So if you were to check out my uh, my module, it says like to do local testing. If you have VS Code, you know, you can just click the test button and it'll test. It'll actually run Saki and all that stuff. Um, if you wanted to do a command line and you just wanted to run the build commands yourself, you could do that. Um, and so there's there's examples in the, in the readme, like here's how you do a local build of this. Um, I Now correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's also a .VS Code folder that allows yeah. you to like set the the style and all kinds of preferences. So if you're in VS Code and have the folder open, it's set for you. Yeah, so uh, that's probably one of my favorite things that I've found. Um, I've also added a few additional things. So, um, so like you can actually say here's some preferred uh, plugins you should have. Right, you should have the Pester uh, a plugin, VS Code plugin. Uh, you should have the Markdown Linter plugin. Um, and so when somebody opens up that repo for the first time, they get prompted and they say, hey, these are the recommended plugins. Do you want to install them? And so getting started, just that just makes getting started that much easier. The other thing I, I love, specifically in an enterprise environment, is there's typically a code format that we want we want folks to kind of adhere to. And if you're a random person that's just starting to kind of write PowerShell, you may not know what that looks like. Um, but you can set that in your VS Code settings to say, this is this format that we want. And you can say on save, automatically 
reformat the document in the you know preferred style. And so the contributor doesn't need to even think about that. It just happens kind of automatically. Um, we uh, I'll avoid getting into the spaces tabs uh, debate, but you can have it automatically convert that stuff, right? So like, just you know, it's nice. You can kind of have all that happen automatically. Yeah, and I think that what that kind of the, the phrase that that comes to mind whenever you mention those things is DevX, the developer experience. If you're creating yeah, enterprise grade solutions, they need to be maintainable. And they need to be maintainable not only for the person who knows everything about Stucco and everything about PowerShell, but also the other people who, like you're saying, may not have that extensive background or context. Um, really cool that PowerShell, through this, we're able to provide that kind of interaction where if they're missing plugins, it actually pops up. And all we have to do is type in the name of the plugin and hit save. That's sick. Yep. I feel like I have a lot of ugly code out there that didn't have to be now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I have a lot of old ugly code that still that still kind of uh, um, blames back to me. So <laughs> I definitely get that. <laughs> um, I think that also the testing that's included is so useful. Um, you kind of mentioned Saki earlier. How do you use that for the kind of testing or building or or what, where does that play a role in this? Yeah, so since we're kind of talking about Stucco specifically, uh, the way that it leverages Saki is when you create a Stucco module, it, you get a build.ps1 file. Within that build.ps1, it calls uh, the, it invokes Saki. And so um, one of the things that it relies on is called, uh, the PowerShell build module, which I believe was also a brand in a brand in project, but it's essentially like five tasks that he um, that he set up. So I actually sorry, it's a little bit more than five, but essentially it's a uh, clean task, right? So you clean your your environment, you build the file, so that includes Markdown, uh, your sorry, your help docs. If you compile your module, it kind of puts everything in place. Um, you run your tests, um, and then you can have a publish step at the end. And so you could imagine like when code gets committed on commit, we run the tests on, you know, on actual, sorry, on, on commit, on, um, on pull request, it does a test. And then on commit, you can actually have it go and publish. Um, but if you were to use Saki, you know, outside of, of this, it's essentially just a set of steps that you are asking PowerShell to kind of invoke. And it's a very clean way to kind of execute a, a series of steps. Awesome, because sometimes you want to do ste uh, the steps in a certain order or things like that, and it kind of provides some solutions for that. Yeah, so, what's not, one last ahead. thing about that. What's nice is uh, the steps actually have um, dependency. So, I won't test until you go through the build and I won't build until you go through the clean. And so like when you go call a step, you can call a single step and anything that it depends on will just get executed automatically. So that's super handy. Super great experience <laughs> to develop with that. Um, but so tasks, normally I think when most people develop, they just kind of save their files. What do you, how do you call these tasks? Where do they kind of fit in with things? Yeah. So um, if we're again, referring to stucco that, that build uh, script that's in the root of the module. It has a task uh, parameter. And so you can say build.ps1 task build or task test or task publish. And so it's 
to kind of go through the process, it's just kind of calling that one line. If you look at what VS Code is actually doing, it's just invoking that script with the specific um, with the specific task. Um, I've also found situations where I was able to extend it, where maybe those those existing tasks in the stucco, or rather in the PowerShell build um, module, like maybe I needed to do something extra. So an example is I wanted to actually build a chocolate package. And so what I did was I just created a, a task that says that's called chocolatey. And once it built the module, rather than executing publish, it executed chocolatey. And that ran through the commands of like CPAC, or rather creating the XML, CPACking it, and then now I have now I have a, a you know a new PKG I can go and and publish. Um, I recall, and maybe I'm incorrect about this, but I, whenever I was using VS Code and, and that, I would just press F1 and quickly be able to run all my tests um, as like a sanity check as I'm developing yeah. it. Um, I I am a huge 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 proponent of uh, test driven development. Um, I have not always been great at it, but I think I've seen the light over the years of you know writing your test first, especially because you usually know what that looks like, uh, or rather you know what the out the end design should look like. I know my command should be called this. I know I want to give it this parameter, and I know when I when I have when I execute that this should be the output. And so that's a little bit easier to kind of to work with. And so being able to start there and then go back and start writing the code, and then just like clicking a short shortcut to like run your tests. That's like super handy, um, especially when it is just a shortcut, right? Um, I have a, I have a stream deck and apparently that, so there's a plugin that you can have your stream deck actually execute VS code commands. So I, I actually programmed a like test, a test uh, button. And so that's super, super handy. It's like write, write a code, 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 hit the button, test it, you know, um, and then just kind of rinse and repeat until until it works we are living it's, in the future dude it, it's interesting all the the more high level people talk in powershell the more they seem to hate the idea of the mouse right uh, like, like the mouse has its value but if you <laughs> fine-tune in your shortcuts and your keyboard shortcuts the, the mouse is like a wasted wasted time almost I, I'm sure there's definitely going to be somebody who who's just going to say uh, you can bring up the power. The, um, I can't think of the name right now, but the the power uh, prompt to just type in ta uh, test. But um, I like having a, a silly little button on my stream deck that I can just like smash. Um, but I'm I can't. I'm definitely a mouse user. Like I can't. I can't pretend I'm not. <laughs> well, I mean, the, you're never going to remove it completely. But when you get into the just the main focus of things, it almost, I mean, it's not as bad as like when you have to break out of your VS code session, that, that breaks everything. But if you are in the middle of typing, being able to not have to use the mouse and break out that way, I think it's gonna, my, my, uh, my mentor, I, he hardly ever used the mouse and I couldn't keep up with him in any task. Like once you have that dialed in, if you spend time mastering keyboard yeah, shortcuts. For sure. I think that a lot of people in, who've seen the light of PowerShell, have seen the light of not repeating yourself, of like we're mentioning with Stucco, not rewriting all the freaking boilerplate for all your modules, all the way down to not repeating the same, however many extra strokes. You know, we just want to kind of make everything more efficient. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a lazy, uh, a lazy uh, coder, right? Like I want to, I have a tendency to scope creep when I write code. 
so instead of just solving the problem that I'm supposed to solve, I tend to think of myself, oh, it would be neat if I could do this. And and suddenly if I if I start if I start with a test that I solving the actual problem, I have less of a tendency to like scope creep by accident. Um, so that's yeah, that's pretty handy. Well, at one point, Andrew mentioned that with this one, you pressed F1 to run the tests, which F1 is also how you call up help with PS read lines. So if you have two different VS Code modules, do you have to modify your shortcut keys that way? Or is it instance specific, like where the keyboard is, or do you have to just be aware of that? Dude, I don't think the console in, in VS Code does that, does it? No, like, I don't. The F1 shortcuts? Oh, no, not in the, the console. I, I was thinking just F1 if you're in your, your script writing. Whatever the active window, I think is yeah. what it depends on. Is it? I, I actually don't use the, the keyboard shortcut to execute the test, but I'd imagine oh. that. I'm, I have, a, I think I'm a little bit scarred from uh, the Windows, like, 98 days of spamming F1 to, like, mess with your friends and, like, freezing their computers. So <laughs> I think that's my hesitation to hit it. Well, now yeah. it opens up help. <laughs> In VS Code, for those who are listening, I believe it opens up the command palette. I think Control Shift P does as well, but yeah, I like the, the command palette. Shortcut. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it can be a few things. That's that's what I noticed. It depends on what you're doing. Like, there's the defaults in there, but there are modules that overwrite the defaults. So there's different things that do different tasks. But I think you're right. The if you're down in the console, is where the F1 for PS3 like comes in. Where F1, if you're up in your, your actually script window, it will open. Okay. I'm, now I'm looking it up. So no. <laughs> uh, um, Control Shift. That might be my own personal binding. Oh no, it's a default. Uh, Control Shift B is the default build task. Um, oh. By the way, if you if you don't use uh, build.ps1 or you use some other thing, and you you can actually define what your build command is, um, and it's in that will be what gets executed. Um, but I'm almost certain there's an automatic test one. Maybe not. Maybe build's the only one. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. So you mentioned a build process. When dealing with PowerShell, like what does a build process do or what are we building? Yeah, so the way that specifically, I, I guess build can be kind of anything, right? And so when talking about stucco, um, and PowerShell modules, the idea is that you copy your files into whatever final destination you want these files to end up in. Like if you, maybe you want them all at the top level, maybe you want you maybe you still want the folder structure. Um, maybe maybe you want to rename them or something. I, I don't I'm not sure what why you do that, but I'm sure there's a reason. Um, and you put essentially all the files that you would need to actually compile the module uh, into a single location. And so uh, for PowerShell build, um, that what that does is it creates an outputs folder. It makes a folder with the version or a folder with the module name, then a version, then it puts all the files kind of needed. And then now you have kind of essentially what will go out kind of to the public if you were to publish this. Okay, so like say you're writing a module, you save each function as its own separate .ps1 file. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, whenever you do a build process, you would combine all those, you'd get the name of them, update the PSD1, stuff like that? 
Yeah, so that's an option in the PowerShell build. You can actually set a um, a variable to compile. So there are scenarios where that makes sense. There are scenarios where that doesn't make sense. Um, I believe it does not compile by default. Um, yeah, by default, it does not comp combine it into a single PSM. Where I've seen that get weird is when folks need to add specific types that, from .NET and sometimes ordering matters. So that's when I've seen that kind of uh, play into it. Mm -hmm. um, the other nice thing is Stucco specifically, what it does is it says, if you have a function file in the public folder, um, those are ones that are exported. And so when you say, you know, get command from this module, you'll only see the public ones. And then the private ones are the ones where you can do stuff that maybe is a little bit, uh, that you don't necessarily want to expose to users. Maybe that's where you're going and fetching secrets or or processing data in a way that you don't necessarily intend the user to, to do. Cool. So like internal functions to your module that you want mm -hmm. to use inside your other functions that are public, but not for the end user. Cool. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier a module that you developed about RPG. What was the name of that module? Or DICE, I should say. Uh, it was, I always forget. I'm the worst. <laughs> uh, I tried looking it up. I couldn't remember the name either. <laughs> I know. Um, it's called uh, it's called RPG Dice. Um, I also created two others. Um, one is called Maze Rats, and uh, the third one is called Beneath the Canals. Um, so right around 2019 is when I'm uh, actually I think just prior to that summit I met uh, Michael Lombardi, and at summit he ran a D and D session. Um, I had always been interested in that and so i actually got to play and then i just kind of went down the rabbit hole of like old school uh osr rpg uh tabletop games and uh maze rats and beneath the canals are two actual role-playing games and um a few uh a few components of it is essentially just like rolling tape on table so you say like roll a d6 and that will define what your character looks like or their name or something about them, their personality. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, that's, you know, essentially just like get random, right? <laughs> but this was a, it was a good way for me to say like, how do I create a player object? Um, how do I create a dice object? What if I want to just keep a dice object, you know, handy? Um, I learned about uh, high variance dice. And so for a D6 dice, which is like a standard die, you have one, two, three, four, five, six. A high variance would have two ones and two sixes and a three and a four. And the idea is that if you were to roll that, you have a higher chance of either totally succeeding or totally failing. Um, and so that idea of like, you either like, do, you're about to do something crazy and you're either totally going to nail it or you're totally going to bomb. Um, I was like, how do I build that? So like, that was a weird thing that I had to kind of come up with. Like, how do I build a high variance if it's not a straight number? You know, and so that was a, another thing I kind of uh, wanted to build. Well, now, now you have me uh, intrigued. This is actually have, it could have large impact on my Thursday nights. Uh, so I, I do a game called Exalted, which is kind of similar to, uh, I, I don't know, it's not, not a lot like, but it's a D10 based one. So like your White Wolf or your Shadow Run where you roll a number of 10 side dice based on your, your skill and attribute. 
and then anything over a certain number is considered a success. Anything yeah. below is a failure. And then if you get a 10, it's either counted as two successes in the Exalted like I play, or if it's Shadow Run, you get to roll another dice. Uh, would this be able to do something like that for a D10 based game, or is this mostly for your. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, you can essentially create any type of dice. You can even do. So I got into this game called Trophy, um, and what it uses is uh, a. It is a D6, but it's like it's not uh, equal distribution. So I had to come up with a way to to kind of set that up, but also to render that in a way that made sense, right? Like I don't want to say like you got side six and side six is, you know, foo. Like I wanted to say when you rolled it, it's returned like you got a dark roll or you got a light roll or something. Um, so you could totally do that. The other thing that this got me into was like, okay, cool. It's nice to be able to generate these things in the command line. Like I really want to... That was handy for when I would GM is like, if you've ever been a, uh, a GM or a dungeon master, um, people would be like, what's that character's name? And you play the like, oh, oh, oh like crap, I got to go find a name like, you know, Bob, Bob Smith. Uh, but you get enough of that where you're like, I need a couple of names handy. And um, in my uh, in my Maze Rats one, I generated one where you can just generate a name on the fly. And so... That was handy. Um, but then I was like, well, that's good for me as a GM, but like, how do I get this to players in a way that, like somewhere else? And so that's when I started uh, looking at um, Poshbot. And then uh, and then I was like, how can I integrate this with Poshbot? And so I have started doing that where you can uh, integrate these modules with Poshbot. And so in theory, that means you could generate a role from from a from either like discord or or slack um i have to i have to do more testing because i haven't played with it in a while but that was kind of my my idea is like it would be nice to be able to generate a character like on the fly in a in a chat it would it, be awesome save a lot of time especially for for gms i know the guy that runs our game the, the work he puts in into it week to week like i just get to go and enjoy it for him it's like a job so yeah. having Anything I, I can definitely get to dive into this because anything I can help take off his plate, he'd probably really appreciate. Yeah, definitely. So it's kind of cool to hear that you used a fun project that you know appealed to your personal interests to do something PowerShell related and kind of expand your professional skill set too. Yeah, it was so I started with these like personal projects and then I realized quickly realized like, hey, we should like, why am I not building my work modules? Like, I, you know, if we go far back enough, I've just, I've definitely created some gnarly tech debt with these giant, giant script files. So like, you know, maybe the easiest thing for for us to do is like break, break up this giant script into a module. And like, maybe it doesn't have to happen all at once. Maybe it's something that, you know, we can break up and say, hey, you know, I'll do I'll do this portion of the script. You do that portion of the script. As we move it, let's write some tests. You know, like not just do the legwork of moving code around, but actually improving kind of the 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 stance that you take in kind of your environment. I'm sorry, I, I, I lost focus. I'm just I'm uh, I'm into this dice thing. I'm gonna. <laughs> you, you may... Well, if uh, if I was hiding it before, now it's out. I'm a huge nerd. So. <laughs> I had no clue, man. That did not come across. <laughs> All right, so I'll, I'll get back to. I'll focus. I just, 
I, I will definitely be playing with what you built there in the near future. So um, I'm, ex I'm excited about it. Um, I'll, I'll say that my favorite quote that I heard Jeffrey say when I went to uh, my first conference for anything uh, PowerShell related was at WinOps in London. God, I think I want to say 2017, 2018. Uh, and and uh, Snover said to somebody, he's like, I look forward to your pull request. So yeah, dude, I definitely look forward to you. Uh, I am very open to people contributing to this. Uh, it is not in any way done. I think that's why I still have these as versions like 0.2 or you know pretty low versions. Like they're not they're not prime time, but they're fun to play with. Hey, if you're a listener of this podcast and if you contribute something, we'll send you some swag. If you email sure. us at powershellpdq.com and let us know that you contributed. Um, also, a kind of a project idea, if you're listening to this, and obviously you can't write this module from scratch, but you're looking for like a project to kind of push your skills. And if you haven't yet, you mentioned Poshbot earlier. I'm a huge fan of having, like that's a fun project to get started in PowerShell. Get Poshbot running on a little Raspberry Pi at home, um, and then you can write a module for it, right? Because it's just modules. You can practice writing a module that mm -hmm. actually interacts in chat and does cool stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um... I was on a Discord with Discord with friends, and so that was something where it was just like, well, this seems like a pretty low stakes thing, you know. Set up a fun bot, you know, uh, with some friends, and then, you know, you kind of learn, you can learn some of those skills, and then that could pretty pretty easily translate to, you know, now you implement this at work, um, and then, you know, I mean, exposing PowerShell uh, in chat done right is like very very helpful, right? On the high end, like if you do it yeah. right, yes, so yeah. much so. Um, I love these personal projects though, because it's a really safe way to build up confidence too, right? Like you use it, you interact with it. It's yeah, I mean, not, uh, your, your job's not on the line for that. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, you know, with with all the projects uh, at work, it's it's um, ha having a low stake like low stake thing uh, where I'm you know I'm writing role playing game stuff like. You know, if I get it done, cool. If I don't, it's not a big deal. And you know, I'll get to it eventually. Um, it was a it was a good way for me to get get kind of acclimated to to doing this. And so, when I turned this into an actual project at work, it was, you know, I knew what I knew what needed to be done, and um, I was able to get it implemented um, fairly quickly, and then kind of plugged into all our systems. And even now, I I kind of look for things that we could tweak or like. You know, wouldn't it be neat if we could, you know, the chocolatey thing was an example. It's like, you know, there are scenarios where we want to publish the chocolatey, you know, how do I make that easy? And then I just kind of went for it. I wrote a soggy task and and it was done. And it was like, hey, like now I just, anybody who might want to do that, like, here's how you're going to, here's how you can do it. Or, um, you know, you can copy and paste this or, you know, how can I make this available with, without even having to have folks change anything. Like that's the kind of stuff I like to do is I love to make make it so that folks don't even need to have to worry about writing code, especially like boilerplate. Like if you can just add a f flag or set up setting and it just happens, like I love I love doing that. <laughs> it's interesting because I, I did dive into your model and or your module and right in there, there's the build.ps1 you're talking about. There's the socky file ps1 and the Markdown docs, yeah. So everything you're talking about, apparently you're living it. You're not just talking about it because it's right in your module. <laughs> um, you know that's fun. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the the, the make docs thing. Um, that's 
one of the things I really loved about this. Um, so in my experience, like, especially in an enterprise where you just have a bunch of scripts, it's sometimes difficult to figure out like, where did this come from? Like, why does it exist? What are the parameters? Like, unless you go crack that code open and you start to parse it and like, hopefully people left comment-based help, um, you're you're spending a lot of time kind of just trying to understand. And um, the neat thing about Stucco is its use of um, uh, Platypus and how it takes the comment-based help and turns and creates Markdown files uh, along with generating the uh, MAML, which is a special XML that PowerShell uses. But then you can use uh, the uh, the MK Docs stuff to actually generate a website. So part of learning this was actually like learning how to make a uh, MK Docs file. So uh, there's there's actually a GitHub.io page that got created automatically. Like, and anytime somebody makes a change to a to a um, a function, it automatically updates the page. Like, that's just part of the GitHub action. Like, it's it's pretty awesome. What is MKDocs? Because I have avoided it in the past, but I just set up a new module last night using Stucco, and I said, let's go for it, because I heard Stevie Coaster talking about it. So what exactly is it? Yeah, it's essentially a way to create a website, um, in this case, using Markdown files. Um, I love love writing Markdown. That's like my, my preferred way to do any writing, um, just because I can do that in code and then I, I'm I'm a big user of Obsidian. I could talk about Obsidian for like days, um, but that's Markdown. Um, but essentially, yeah, um, MakeDocs takes your Markdown files and just renders them as a website. Cool. So it's a static site generator kind of deal where you give it some files and on save or on commit or whatever, it regenerates the site and serves it. Yep. Cool. Yours is the files YAML or is it all YAML or can it read other formats as well? <sighs> There, you know, I'm not sure actually. Um, uh, I only use MakeDocs for th these personal projects, um, so I haven't used it for other things. I know it's super robust, and there's a ton of things you can config, uh, you can have it do. Um, but I'm probably not the right person to ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mean this random thing that I mentioned off the cuff right. that you built on and talked about? You don't know all the fine details. <laughs> You know, I, I I just need to let the audience know I don't actually know what I'm doing. I'm I'm totally guessing that the, the whole way through. So it's worked so far. Uh, Self-deprecation is actually my territory. You're uh, encroaching. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I think it just highlights nobody's perfect. We all have yeah. stuff that we're working on and stuff. It's, it's, I think it's interesting. It's something that it was almost just something I happened to read out loud from my stream of consciousness. We actually got a new interesting topic. It's something that has a lot of value. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, Stevie's um, uh, Stevie's my go-to when it comes to uh, the static site generation. I, I reached out to him to to figure out how to set up that workflow. Um, so he was super helpful uh, with that. Sorry, thanks, Steve. So, <laughs> so on this so far, we've mentioned so many different modules and different things like MK Docs, PlatyPS, blah, blah blah, so on and so forth. And that can be a bit overwhelming. Totally. Um, I think it's important to highlight you don't have to fully understand everything that Stucco has inside of it to start using it. Yeah, so if my my elevator pitch would be to um, install uh, install Stucco, any of its dependencies, you'll be prompted to install. So you don't even have to think about that, right? Um, 
when you run the build scripts, um, I'm about to drop another module uh, name on you, but there's a, there's a module called PS depends that it loads. And that will then also uh, preload any dependencies you need. Um, but yeah, if you install Stucco, you know, run the command that it has on the readme to generate a new module, and you'll be prompted uh, with a few questions like, what do you want to name the module? What version do you want to give it? Do you want to use mkdocs? Do you want to, are you using a specific CI tool? Um, and then what's nice is it'll actually put the right things for you. Um, it, it makes it it makes it super super easy to get started. Yeah, I it is such an unlocker. Like even if you just use this for starters to just see how a really high quality module is put together, just kind of decipher it. Because I recall whenever I was a beginner and I would look at any GitHub project that was PowerShell related, I would be like, I know a PSM one file, PSD one, and PS one. What yeah. the freak is a .md and there's a readme and there's a license and there's all this other stuff, tests and building. I'm like, whoa, whoa, flying over my head. Yeah, um, I think if you if you create that module and then you just kind of run the build command at least once and then you just see it does everything and you're like, oh, like you don't you didn't even have to you don't actually have to write any code. If you just take that initial output and run the build command, you'll see it just does everything. And then all you have to do is start adding function, you know, function files. So even if you decide stucco or plaster are not for you, by running it once, you're still going to learn a lot of things about best practices to to make you better at writing the code. So it, I don't know. I think it's worth at least trying out to at least learn something and see where you can improve. And then most likely, it sounds like if you do try that, you're gonna you're gonna fall in love with it anyway. Yeah, I think once you once you run that build command once and you see all the work that you didn't have to do, it it's 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 awesome. Yeah, and if you don't want to use it, you probably have some reasons that are important to you and you know a lot and whatever there's some nuanced reason that these opinions don't work for you, but I think for a large majority of people, this is an insanely large step in the really directionally correct way and I don't I can't think of any, you know, to my knowledge opinions that are implemented there that are that bold um or that like controversial do you does anything come to mind for you the only one that comes to mind uh is by i think as it's set up currently the platypus markdown files get checked in so the docs are when you run a build it checks in the it creates the docs and those get checked in um i've definitely uh, had conversations around whether the documentation should be generated or if it should be an artifact that gets created uh, after the fact. So instead of saying, actually don't generate the docs um, and check them in uh, as part of the build process, generate the docs and then publish them. Um, so that way you don't have to, you know, you don't have a file that needs to get checked in that could potentially get messed up or something. What do you mean by check in? So uh, when I say check in, I mean like committed. Um, so cool. yeah, like a git in your git commit, you don't have those uh, doc files included. Um, but that's right. definitely an opinion. Um, yeah, it hasn't hurt me yet. Um, I definitely see. I definitely understand the premise of having um, your documentation be an artifact, like a file that gets generated and that you can generate on the fly as you need. Hmm. Interesting. Um, 
But I think if you're at the point where you're having those concerns, you're in a pretty okay spot with PowerShell yeah. at large. You can kind of probably figure out some of those things a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think even if you, I think even if you dissect how, uh, th- what those opinions are in Stucco, you might pick up something, right? Uh, the VS Code tasks thing. I mean, what's funny is I actually learned, I learned about the that ta- the tasks and the settings, and immediately went to a bunch of repositories and started adding that stuff. Like that was a, a game changer um, in especially like auto formatting the amount of times code has to go back and forth because of formatting things. If you just have it happen, it j- if it just happens on save, like that is, that's a game changer. Like that speeds up everything. Hard to measure, but you save so much time by doing that. Yep. So if I ever come up with an idea good enough to actually create something, I'll definitely use this because it sounds like I cut out a lot of time, but unfortunately, all my ideas are terrible. <laughs> oh, you had a couple of good ones about some API modules we could build, but um, well, we yeah, can't I, we can't do those yet. I absolutely not yet. Will be, that, that's probably going to be my first module I put public. Yeah, I uh, go ahead. No, I was just saying that's awesome. Yeah, love APIs, man. So much fun. Open up the world. So I think any more new software, it's almost mandatory to have something where where you can interact command line without needing to actually go into the product. So we we're talking about help for a bit, and help documentation is super important. But with this stucco method of doing things, you mentioned comment-based help. So as you're writing your functions, all you need to do is just save your PS1 file, put the comment-based help at the top or whatever, and through the build process, it will convert that into all these fancy formats and deliver them. But as a PowerShell writer, you're still just writing PowerShell. Yeah, so what's nice is uh, you could have uh, only the markdown files if that's what you wanted. But if you think about the user experience of I'm opening up a function, having all the help stuff at the top, like opening up a single function and seeing the help stuff right at the top, that kind of gets you in the right mindset from the get-go rather than having to parse another file, like everything is in front of you. And it's also an easy way to remember like, oh, I'm adding a new parameter. Let me go and add that at the top. Or you know what? The description is kind of vague. Let me go tweak that while I'm in here. And then you let the build tools do the rest. Not think about it. Love that. Not thinking about things, not having to remember things, not being the sole person responsible for like knowing everything. And how do we do? No, it's all right there. We use this template. Um, worth noting though, if you disagree with some of these opinions, you can fork it and make changes, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I can't think of anything that's, so for example, our internal, um, module, it's, it's based off of stucco, but it's not stucco, right? There's, there's things like this prompting our employees for what kind of CI they're going to use doesn't make any sense. So I automatically say, this is what you're getting. And like, um, I don't need to. I reduce the amount of questions I ask um, because I know what our tools will do. And that way they, they can answer less questions and just kind of get started. Yeah. So it kind of sounds like if you're just using it as an end user, like a personal developer, cool, just use the, his version. But if you're going to take it internal, you're probably going to want to fork it and add your own customizations and make it a bit more efficient for your environment. Yeah. I, my talk at Summit that I didn't get a chance to do was going to be a little bit about that. It's like, here's, as a business, here's probably what you're going to care about. You're going to want to include, you're going to ideally ask those questions 
as part of that module generation. Um, cost centers, uh, on-call, you know, emails, or, you know, maybe who owns it, or maybe you have some special special code that you have to inject or something. And, you know, instead of having to tell somebody, hey, by the way, you need to go edit a PSD file and look for this thing and tweak this, it just, it just the user gets prompted, they answer it, and then they move on. Yeah, and my experience with PowerShell is, you know, if you have a bit of a background in coding, it's not very hard. And I've dealt with other people and like interacted with programmers in different languages and was able to get them up to speed and contributing code quite quickly. With the caveat that I was using Stucco and all these other things that are not related to just typing the code, the boilerplate. How do you do parameters? How do you do advanced things? How do you compile? What's the PSD one? Where am I supposed to put all these functions? It gets it can be a little bit complicated. And cutting that out and just saying, hey, you know how to think and program. Just think and program. Um, it's PowerShell. It's readable. Yeah, I think um, the going from a script to a uh, module that is built this way is super straightforward. And so that makes it really nice for somebody who's like, I feel comfortable writing a kind of a straightforward script. Or, you know, I can write functions. I think I, I have that part down. You don't need to worry about, if you know how to write a function and you put it in a PS1, you can, making this step is very, very easy. So where you put in a lot of work, I know talks at, at Summit is, is a lot of work just because it's always nerve wracking. You, you go over, you change a lot of it. You didn't get to present it. Uh, I happen to know that Andrew just got the Gainesville user group up and running again. Would you like to still give that talk to a whole bunch of people? I'd, I'd like to watch that remote and, and learn. I'd like to see the talk, I guess. Yeah, I think, um, man, I was kicking myself that the, the following day is like, I really wish I gave the talk. And, you know, I'm definitely willing to, to go and give that talk to, to user groups. Um, I haven't been great about attending a bunch of the user groups um, just because, you know, life happens. Um, but that is, you know, I love watching the 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 content that comes out of there, right? Um, I, I I swear I can I can think of, if I have a problem like hey I need to start looking at how some somebody how people do this, I'll come across you know uh, I'll come across a talk that you know somebody did at a user group like that stuff is is phenomenal. Um, plus, it's also a great way to see how other companies kind of work um, and that they're leveraging you know this this tool and uh, it's. It can give you kind of inspiration to kind of do your own thing, uh, to go do that, right? So shorter answer is yes, I'm I'm more than happy to, to come in and, uh, and do the talk. Yeah. As, as far awesome. as user groups go, I think we're down to two or three. Maybe four up. with Andrew's going live. We're up, up. to. We're up, up to. to. We're coming really up from the COVID downturn, I, I believe, is kind of mostly what it's related gotcha. to. So, so yeah. Andrew got his up and running. <laughs> I just went through and saved the meetup from the Salt Lake City one. So it's 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 tied to me. I just haven't gotten around to building them. So I want to get that up and running. We're hoping to get more user groups up sooner than later. But also, no, it's uh, it's bad practice to have a guest on here and then uh, ambush him with, "Hey, want to do more stuff?" So for <laughs> while we're live, yeah, answer while everyone's listening, please. <laughs> so for for future guests, I pro I promise uh, that that was a one time thing. Gilbert's just lucky. No, no, no. It's not a. This is how we get yeses. <laughs> I may or may not. <laughs> feel free no. to show up but we may ambush you i don't know <laughs> uh, um, no i i um i'm i would love to give the talk i was um 
I put a lot of effort into it and I wanted to make, you know, I wanted to make sure it was the right amount of, if you are just getting started that you could kind of understand what was going on. And if you were a little bit more advanced, you could kind of, you could still kind of pick up something. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. Awesome. It's funny because this episode is like the first one that's going to go out in just a couple days. So the Thursday, the week this goes out, will be our first Gainesville meetup in two years, um, almost to the day. You know, we, we took two years off and hopefully other groups keep coming out as well and keep building I'm, up this PowerShell thing. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to uh, shill here a little bit. Um, I'd be curious how many folks in the Bay area would be interested in a, in a user group. Um, one of the things that I have found is that I've I've had to travel to to kind of meet folks in the PowerShell community. Like WinOps London was amazing, but it was all the way in London, right? And then I, you know, somehow I missed that PowerShell Summit was a thing. And it's like, yeah, you should go to Summit. And I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, totally. Like, and I went to Summit and I was like, these are my people. Um, and so um, yeah, it was just it's I think I've only met one other person, sorry, two other folks from the Bay Area. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you listen to this podcast and, you, um, and you'd and you be interested in that, like you can tweet at me. What's your Twitter? Oh my God, I always forget. I believe it's Hayes Gilbert S. It is. That is what it is. So, and, and that's another one where I think there's there's Seattle, there's the Research Triangle, there's Gainesville, there's one in New York, I believe. There's one in SoCal also. SoCal, yeah. Mm -hmm. Shout out Matt Bobke. Love that guy. So, uh, yeah, I, I hopefully you, you get a lot of feedback on that one. And, I mean, the, the PowerShell.org has a lot of resources for people looking to start a user group. So if you're in the Bay Area and you want to join Gilbert, uh, I'd, go, I'd use them as a resource to help get started. It's, I mean, it, it can be a lot of work for user groups, but it's worth it. I, I just, I enjoyed for a long time running the one in Salt Lake until I, I, I burned out. And so now that, that's the one takeaway is if you're going to do it, make sure you do it as a group because yeah. it's too much for one person. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. That's my goal is to just have enough people who are interested and who can handle the different parts of it so that it kind of sustains, even if I'm not able to like run it for a few months. Um, so it, I know we're kind of getting towards the end of the time we have scheduled for you, but I wanted to ask you a question about, how so you mentioned like summit and kind of discovering powershell and not having many people where you're from but how did you kind of end up where you are now if you don't mind a little bit of background i mean i'm sure you've had a bit of a long career but um yeah no it's uh it's funny i was just thinking about this so prior to i'm i'm now currently at meta and prior to meta i was actually working on linux systems um writing really really bad bash prior to that i was writing some PHP for um, a small, I don't want to even call it a startup because it wasn't really a startup. It was just a couple of friends starting like a web hosting business. And so I'd, I'd write a little bit of PHP and so kind of a little bit of coding. Uh, but when I got to um, Facebook, it uh, I had joined an operations team and I started working on exchange stuff. And I'll never forget the day that somebody showed me like, yeah, you know, you have you have to go and tweak these 30, you know, accounts. Um, it's like, if you run it once, you see the output in the, you know, the PowerShell output. So we can just copy and paste that and like make a list and run the command on, on all those like users. And um, 
it's funny because I, I think that they had a typo <laughs> and uh, in in their when they were showing me and they were like deleting like a quarter of the company. Um, but that's the kind of like <laughs> that was the kind of stuff that I'm like, yeah, like I'm into this. Like I want to be able to that was the day I also learned about what if and <laughs> I was like sold like command line tool that I can, you know, loop over stuff and like save myself time like I I learned PowerShell uh, on that team. And then, you know, at the time we had very linear scripts, you know, no catching, no exception handling. So I being, you know, the junior, um, you know, PowerShell coder at the time, I was like, we're just going to wrap everything in a try, try a catch block. And like, I'll always catch the errors. Um, but you know, that, that isn't great for various reasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, as far as my background, um, I, I didn't go to college uh, for computer science or anything like that. I was a sociology major. Uh, I dropped out um, and then just started just started working on computers because that was a thing that I enjoyed doing. Um, yeah. Uh, and then I just at at Facebook, it's been I just I've been such a fan of PowerShell. Um, it was the thing that really got me into like objects. Uh, and once I kind of realized the power of objects. I don't, there was no holding me back. Yeah. I, you're talking to Jordan's heart there when you talk about it, getting started with exchange and all that. Yeah. I can see him lighting up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> I just always like the, the people that didn't know it was object oriented going into it because I've, I spent no, years in PowerShell, I, not even understanding the difference. And then someone pointed out what it could be like without objects is like, well, why would you ever do that? That sounds horrible. Yeah. As a person who wrote terrible bash script, the fact that I could get away from set and awk and having to parse string output, I was like, oh, like, yeah, no, there was no turning back. I, this, this was the way. It's, uh, no, it's, I, I wish, I wish I could get on here. My, my mentor is, is fun to talk PowerShell. And he, he actually, he's the one that started up the Salt Lake user group. And he, he was, he did a lot of work with that one. And the problem is, is we never, really entered it as a collaboration. He did it till he burned out. Then I took over till I burned out. And then the third person took over till they burned out. And at no point did we just do it collaboratively. So this time I'm going to try to do it right and we can keep it going. <laughs> you know, it's funny because you, you bring that up. And the first thing I think of is like, there's got to be a, you know, a user group, you know, leader support group, you know, like PowerShell people have to have best practices, you know, like, Hey, by the way, you know, this is how we schedule ahead of time. And, Let's write a module to generate this stuff, right? Like, like there is room for CI/CD stuff there for yeah. sure, dude. There really is room for like a lot of this to be automated. Um, you know, oh, if you think definitely about inefficient. Well, every single meeting has the same number of things, right? You have a title of the meeting, you have a guest, you have a time, date, location, blah blah blah. A short description, a long description. It would be nice if they uh, if there was some documentation and processes written down. Which I'm kind of as I'm going through my user group thing, taking note of the different things I have to do so I can. One, delegate them, but two, hopefully refine and improve. Because just like, you know, we're mentioning hotkeys and all this stuff. When you have the mindset of improving things and automation, when you've gone through the kind of PowerShell thing and seen the light, so to speak, it's hard to get that out of your life a little bit. It changes the way you approach things. And when you hear all of us talking on this uh, podcast, you can hear that we approach things a certain way. We weren't born that way. This is something that kind of has developed over time. Yeah, definitely. I think <clears throat> especially... I think that I, I think you mentioned this in in one of the other episodes about like uh, being lazy. Um, I told my I told my son like 
you know, you can be smart and lazy. And my, my wife looked at me like I was insane, but I think automation just, you know, it's like, it's a superpower, you know, uh, you can do so much more with so much less effort. It just, it, I can't imagine living any other way. I think once, uh, once the, the, um, the internet explodes and we're, we're back to like hunter gathering, I'm going to be totally useless. <laughs> you can't, you can't automate the deer. <laughs> no, it's a, that's two very things. So when people say lazy, they always think of the, the dumb lazy and not dumb as in just the, the, the lazy for the sake of not doing anything sake where the focus should be on the smart lazy, where you put in the work to not have to do it in the future. And the smart lazy is, it's the future. I think it's going to be automation is almost going to be mandatory for most jobs at some point. Yeah, definitely. It's, <clears throat> it's funny. Cause I, I think I see it even outside of PowerShell, you just, you see it more and more, right? It just, you know, kind of like we mentioned APIs, it's, it's, it almost feels like inevitable. Um, and it's a much more interesting problem to solve than copy and pasting, you know, data entry, like, I don't know, at least for me, I mean, maybe I'm sure there are people who love data entry and I'm not trying to, you know, speak ill of that. (laughs) I think that it makes sense for it to be (laughs) more rewarding because what we're talking about is systems rather than just individual cogs in the system. And when you can see the whole system and you can improve the whole system and you're connected to the outcomes of the whole system, you're more in the flow of things. You're less removed from, you know, um, what's actually going to happen, so to speak. But yeah, awesome stuff. I really just, whenever it comes to things to me, they always go, you can distill them into systems. Like CI, CD process, the way that scripts are distributed in your environment, all these things are systems that can be improved. And when you've seen the light of that, it's it's very impactful. And you're in work, your work will be more impactful because it affects more people. You're not just a, a single person, you're affecting everyone in your organization yeah it's like a force multiplier right oh i love that term yes it is totally a force multiplier uh well i think it's time to shill i was supposed to bring in a coin so we could flip a coin on whose turn it was but i don't have a coin so uh you know i'm gonna let Andrew do it again okay let's do it okay okay rock paper scissors shoot oh what do you got scissors 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 versus scissors okay let's go again all right. Looks like I'm shilling. I lost rock. rock Shill away. I'm right. I'm surprised you guys haven't pre have a pre recorded version that you just play at the same the same at the end. Uh, well, we 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 try to make it a little bit unique each time. Just try to. We don't want to have the the canned responses. It's just <laughs> I don't know. I'm I, I'm not real comfortable with it, but it's it's. I've been told it's part of the process. Right, yeah. So <laughs> it helps. Hey, thanks to everybody who has given us uh, reviews. It really does help, and we've gotten a bunch of them. So. Shout out to the listeners. Uh, thank you to Gilbert for showing up to be our guest today. We learned a lot. Uh, I'm excited to to dive into that RPG roller. I'm, I said, look forward to my commit. Uh, I'll, I will commit to making a commit. A anyway, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Uh, if if you are listening and and you think we did a five star job, we'd love it if you could give us that grade on any platform that you listen on. Uh, if it's not five stars, we'd love it to hear why you can email us at powershell at pdq.com. And I mean, we're trying to improve, but we can always, we can always get better. Let us know what we're missing and we'll get to that. Uh, for, I guess, PowerShell podcast. I'm Jordan. I'm Andrew.
Thanks for listening to the PowerShell Podcast with your hosts, Jordan Hammond and Andrew Plaw. Blah, 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 blah. The PowerShell Podcast is a production of PDQ.com.